Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. All right, we're doing this Living Forward series. Uh, I think I have here. I've got this thing. So Living Forward series and our theme scripture for Living Forward is from 1 Peter 1.18. It says, your life is a journey. You must travel with a deep consciousness of God. And that's what this series is about. And honestly, that's what Christianity is about. It's coming to know Christ, coming into relationship with him, recognizing that he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's always with us, but we are so often just not conscious of him being with us. And so living forward is, is taking a look at uh, back at lives in the scriptures, lives of the saints in the scriptures, as well as living saints who've been living their life with Christ and unpacking their past to help us moving forward into our future. How do you walk with God? What does that look like? Uh, Soren Kierkegaard said it this way. He said, life is best understood looking backward, but it's best experienced looking forward. And we're going to look through one of the, at today, at one of the major um, journeyers in the scriptures. His name is Paul, the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, he's, he ministered in something like 50 or 60 churches uh, and started a bunch of them. And went throughout the sort of the known world Roman Empire at that time. And probably he, he wrote half the New Testament and is likely the, the one apostle most responsible for seeing the church spread from just sort of a, a Jewish Israel thing to really into the rest of the known world. And Paul is famous for his journeys, his three missionary journeys, where he took the gospel to city to city, nation to nation. Uh, and so we're going to look at his life as we, we talk about living forward, the, the journey of life. How do we bring Christ with us? And what do we learn as we journey through this thing called life about coming to with Christ, walking with Christ? So today, let's look at, uh, at Paul. Here's the, the theme scripture for today. It's from Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I look forward to this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. What Paul is saying here is we're all expats. We all belong. We all have a different home that we're headed towards, a heavenly home. And we're all athletes and we're all competing for a prize. And so today we want to talk about what does this journey as an expat here on earth, this, this journey called life, what does that look like? And how do we make sure that we receive the prize at the end of life? I don't know if you're competitive. Uh, this um, Was it last, last week or two weeks ago we had a, a, a game night where we competed uh, on our, at our midweek recharge. And, uh, and my team won, which is like really important. <laughs> That's the main thing, right? It's not about the competition, it's about the winning. 
Um, but anyway, I, I love to win. In my family, we, we always say, you know, win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Um, I'm not sure where, what scripture that's, that, what, where in the Bible that is, but it, it was always a lot of fun. Anyway, uh, there, there's something inside of us that likes to win. There's something inside of us that likes to compete. That's, that's why I, I used to get a lot of speeding tickets because you start driving and you're like, I'm going to go faster than that guy. I'm going to pass this guy. And next thing you know, the police comes up behind you and says, you probably shouldn't do that, you know. Um, but there's something inside of us that just like that we're made to compete because we're actually made for a prize. And, and, and there's something also inside of us that no matter what we experience here in this life alone, we always feel like there's something more. Why? Because we're made for something more. We're just expats. We're just journeyers passing through. And there's so much more than what this life could ever provide that God has created us for. And so we're going to see, looking at Paul's life. And as we look through, there's some key questions that we're going to look at today. The first is, as I live this life, who can I truly rely on? Question, second question we ask ourselves is, what do I really value in this life? Third one is, what makes me a good person? How do I know good, bad, moral, immoral? Number four, how do I grow in my faith in Christ, in Jesus? And number five, what prize am I living for? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today as we look into your word, we ask that you would open it up to us. That you would, Lord God, is, uh, by your word that has power. Lord, may, may your word feed us. May it give us life. May your word be like that mirror that searches us and shows us the areas of our life that, that need change. And most of all, Lord God, as we look into your word today, may your Holy Spirit speak to us in ways that transform us to be more like Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so Philippians chapter 3, we're just going to kind of go through this passage of Scripture and unpack um, these, the answers that Paul gives to these different questions. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Circumcision was something that uh, every Jewish baby needed to, male baby needed to go through, and it marked them as being Jewish. And without that, they couldn't enter into all the promises that God gave to people who were Jewish. Okay, And so circumcision was sort of a marker, but also an entry uh, into the blessings or the promises that God has. But now Paul is saying, we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly part of God's family or part of God's people and to whom God gives his promises. So we rely on what Jesus has done for us. So this thing of worshiping by the Spirit of God. In other words, when we come together and we, we do these songs and, and we, we fellowship together, because it's, the whole service is what we call worship. We don't just do what we think we enjoy. We don't just do what we can do. But the Bible says it's actually meant to be a spiritual event, a spiritual experience, a connection we worship by the Spirit of God. God's Spirit worshiping through us. And so if it's just us singing songs and enjoying music and feeling good about that, then we're missing actually the point of what makes us the people of God. It's when we come together and in worship, there's something special that we begin to sense. And we say, wow, this is more than just singing a song together. There's something that connects with something inside of me. And it's hard to describe because it's spirit to spirit. We worship by the Spirit of God. But as you walk with God, and the more that you come to this, you'll begin to recognize, wow, that, you know, now I, I get that sense of 
worshiping by the Spirit of God that, that I'm joining with. The Bible says we actually join in with the, the angels in heaven that are always worshiping, and there's a spiritual aspect to worship. Even when, I, I'm, I, when we're sharing the word like this and in fellowship times, it's more than just on a human level, but there's something of the Spirit of God that we can experience even in our fellowship even in the teaching today, you, I'll be saying words, but God's Spirit wants to speak to you. God's Spirit wants to highlight things in your life from the Word of God. And so we're learning how do we, how do we worship by the Spirit of God. And, and, and we, we rely on Jesus Christ. That means what Christ has done for us is Jesus went to the cross, died for us, and we say it's all about what Jesus did for us that makes us the family of God. Not what we do, but what he does for us and in us, okay? Um, he goes on, says, we put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have, Paul talking about himself, I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. So Paul is saying, actually, I'm, when I look around at the people around me, I stand out. I've accomplished more, done more, that if anybody could say that they could earn their way to heaven and be seen as a good person, I look around me and I think, I've done more than all of them together. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I, I did it all according to the book. I, I am a, blood, a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if ever there was one. I was a member of the Pharisees. Those were the, 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 the top level of religious people who knew the scriptures and, and would debate the scriptures and, and had a deep understanding of the history and the culture and, and all the facts of the word of God. And who, who demanded, he was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. So in, in other words, there's Pharisees, but he said of all the Pharisees, I was part of the group that were the most obedient to the law that understood the law the best and were the strictest. I mean, these guys would, when they, they said tie the tenth of everything, give to, back to God, they would take like the grains of wheat and they would count them all and, and make sure that they gave one-tenth to the kingdom of God. And if they had little, any, any kind of like um, uh, um, incense or if they had any kind of like uh, spices, they would break it down and say, okay, one-tenth, I give to God. They just uh, were, were so meticulous in how they obeyed God. They're saying no working on the Sabbath day. And so they're, they're, that one law we refer, referred to said, you know, you can, you can spit on the ground, but, but if, 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 that, if that spit, if it lands on dirt and makes mud, that's work. So you can only spit if it's on rock or sand that doesn't make mud, you know. And like there's the finest little details in, in, in the word. They, they were just like, we're, we just know the word back and forth and we are so good at keeping the law. That was Paul. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. In other words, he's saying, you think you kept the law? I kept the law better than all of you. I obeyed every little thing. You think like you were really uh, you know, crazy, committed, zealous to, to be religious? He said, I was so religious that I thought the Christians were disobeying the, the law. So I went after them. I would throw them in jail. I would, I would lobby for them to be put to death. I would be there to vote because Jews couldn't kill other Jews, but only Romans could do capital punishment. But Jews could lobby. And he said, I would lobby the Roman government to, 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 to martyr Christians. He said, that's how... That's how, how zealous I was for the Jewish faith. 
So I don't know how many of you have ever tried to get someone killed for disobeying the law. <laughs> hey, you missed church Sunday. We're coming after you, you know. I mean, that's Paul. He's nuts. Uh, but he's just saying, you know, I like, let me tell you, I was on, I, I was religious on steroids. And so he said, if anybody could have qualified for heaven or be counted as righteous because of their obedience to the rules, because of their behavior or because of their uh, zealousness for God, he said, that would be me. So Paul says, if it was up to me, it was based on what I could do. He said, I, I should be able to get to heaven on myself, on my own. But, this, but, but he also says, there's none of that. He said, I, I, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the infinite knowledge of knowing Christ. So what, what Paul is saying, no longer am I self-reliant, self-confident. I am totally reliant on Christ. None of these other things count. As I've come to know Christ, and I've come to understand what he did on the cross, and when I come to understand how holy God is and how amazing God is, I realize there's no way that I can justify myself to God. Or live up to God's standard based on my own abilities to be good. Based on my own ability to work hard. It's all about Jesus. And so as Christians, what does Christianity mean? It means we're relying on Christ. We're confident on Him. And I know too much about Taiwanese culture. But I know in American culture where I grew up, everything's about self-reliance. Everything's about self-confidence. You gotta have self-confidence. You gotta be self-reliant. And Paul says, actually, that'll never get you there. That'll never accomplish the life that God created you for. You have to be Jesus-reliant, Jesus-confident. So here he goes on in, in verse 8. He says, yes, everything is worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The thing that we have to value most is knowing Christ as Lord. We rely on him, but simply relying on him is not enough. There has to be a, in our, our hearts this place of infinite value for our relationship with God. We have to consider that above everything else. If we don't put that first of all, then we'll never enter into the kind of relationship with Christ that God intended. I know that just on a human level, if I don't spend time connecting with my family back in Hawaii or friends that I, that I used to have, those relationships just start to fray. And two years later, five years later, I, I see them, I call up, you know, and, and you want to know, what do you talk about? I haven't been following their lives. I don't know what's going on. If we want to know Jesus, we have to invest that time, that time into knowing Jesus. See, becoming one with Christ is really the only way that we experience our true identity. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one 
with him. The, the reason why we were created, the purpose for which God created you and I, is actually to be one with him. So that the truth is that we can never discover the fullness of who God created us to be without being one with him. It's like, it's like having a, a, a machine with a missing part. You ever had like a, a like a, a piece of furniture, like IKEA furniture or something? You're trying to put it together and you find out that one piece is missing and therefore it doesn't work. You left that one piece out and the engine doesn't run. You see, we're created to be one with Christ. Without Christ in our life, our life doesn't really make sense the way that God intended for it to make sense. And we find ourselves frustrated. We find ourselves missing because we're created to be one with Christ. And, and oneness with Christ, you know, it's, it, it doesn't just happen by accident. Relationship with Christ. You're never going to become close to Christ and one with Christ just by giving him sort of your spare time. It's never going to happen just by accident. And, and the truth is, you are as close to God as you want to be. It comes back to your value. How much do you value that relationship, that oneness with Christ? Because it'll always cost you something. It'll always, there's always going to be sacrifice. There's always going to take effort to build that relationship just like any relationship. And in the end, if your relationship with Christ is not close, you're really not going to be able to blame anybody else. Because in the end, it's your pursuit of Christ. Because he's already pursuing you. He's already there with you. It's really our turning our consciousness towards him. And our responding to his pursuit of us with an acceptance of that. A, re a receiving of his love. And then a returning of that love back to him that determines the closeness of our relationship. So you're not going to be able to blame your mom, your upbringing, your co-workers. You're not going to be able to blame your church. You know, um, you can always blame the pastor. It's okay. But in the end, <laughs> it's still going to come back to you. And what you've done in this life, how you value that relationship with God. So what do I value? Paul said, above all things, I need to value Christ. I need to value that relationship with him. So I need to rely on Christ, put my confidence in him. I need to value my relationship with him. The next set of verses says this. This is what the Lord, uh, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23, 24 says. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their, their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me. What people value eventually is what they're going to be talking about. It's what they're going to be boasting about. You should see my bank account. I mean, yeah, you, you should see this job I got. You should see the house I got. You should see the girlfriend I have. You should see the, this new clothes I have. You know, you got you to gotta check out, you know, this influence that I've got. Whatever it might be, we start to, to value, the things that we value come out in our language. And so what is it that you value? Wisdom, 
power, what I can do, what I can get people to do, what I can build and create, my achievements, my popularity, how many Facebook friends I've got, how many followers on Instagram. What is it? What, what, what really do we value? What are the things we want to, other people to know about us? Paul says the one thing. and Everything else is lost compared to the one thing. Christ. Knowing Jesus. That's got to be my priority, my top value. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, as it goes on, he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. So what makes me a good person? Paul says, it's not my own righteousness. It's not that I do everything right. It's not that I show up in church, read my Bible every day, go to small group. I even go to midweek recharge, you know. It's not how much I pray, how much I memorize scripture. He says, our righteousness is all through faith in Christ. How much do I trust Jesus? Because faith ultimately is trust. Do you trust Jesus? Do you trust what he says? And honestly, the more successful you are, and the, the, the more intelligent you are, oftentimes, the, the, the more gifted you are, the harder it is to trust Jesus because you get so used to trusting yourself. And most of the time, it works out pretty well. And sometimes it takes until we are, are totally flat on our face, until there's nothing left for us to trust. We've torn down everything else, and then finally we trust Jesus. I love that Matthew does. I finally went homeless and strung out, then... Uh, maybe I need Jesus. How much better if we just say, you know what, I, I recognize that no matter how successful I am, like Paul, no matter how religious and righteous and obedient I am to all the rules and, and no matter how aggressive I am for who I, what I think is right, in the end, I can't count on my own righteousness. It all comes back to trust in Jesus. Do I trust Jesus? To make me right? Do I measure my goodness for how well I trust Christ? So ask yourself in your life right now, where am I trusting Jesus? And where am I just doing it myself? What does that look like to trust Jesus? Here's a little tip. You want to learn to trust Jesus just commit to that. And it starts with just simply every day, just get up and say, Jesus, teach me today to trust you. Teach me today to have more faith in you. And then walk with people who are a little bit ahead of you. Talk with other folks about what, what, is, what does it look like for you trusting in Jesus? Where is God stretching your faith? And the more that we begin to talk about it, the actually the better we get at it. That's true of really any endeavor in life. You want to really be really good at anything, whether it's a sport or a work or a skill or a knowledge. You get around other people who are also trying to learn and improve. And the more that you talk about it, the more you all learn and get better at it by encouraging each other, by instructing each other. And so if our goal is trusting Jesus, faith in Jesus, valuing and knowing him, 
to, to really trust someone, you have to get to know them. And so as we talk about Jesus and talk about where our struggles are in getting to know him, this is what happens, right? When, 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 you, when you're trying to do something new, you get a new stain on your, on, on your, your clothes, you, know, you spill something, and you're like, how do I clean that? You Google it, or you talk to someone who knows about cleaning. Go to your laundromat first and say, how do I get this stain out? Call mom. Mom, you know. And we learn. And how much more important it is to really learn how to trust Christ, learn how to grow in our relationship with God. So you look back over your week and say, how many conversations did I have about knowing Christ? either for myself or helping someone else. Because it's, it's really not just ourselves knowing, but really wanting to help other people know Christ as well. That's why Paul had such a deep relationship with God because he actively wanted to share God. Whatever he knew, he wanted to pass on to others. Paul is one of those guys you love or hate because whatever he knows, he wants everyone else to know. And so when he believed that Christianity was bad, then he was all about that. He was going to go to every city, every town, and try to help everybody, you know, wipe out the Christians. But then when he came to know Christ, he wanted to do the same thing. I want to encourage us. Let's be a church that shares Christ with others. This week we were, we were riding in a, in a cab, and it was so interesting because we got into this this taxi, and the taxi driver he immediately was like, "Hey, you know, he found we're all foreigners. We're in there with um, Clara and Zell, uh, and so of course two blonde girls. So right away he's like, oh, foreigners.' And I, let me give you a, a Mandarin lesson." And he gives us a little book, and, and he starts, he shares us, the, then he says, here's a DVD, and here's a CD, and here's a book I wrote, and here's a little thing, you know, my, my study that I did. Uh, and, and all, you know, if you read this, you'll learn Mandarin. If you listen to this 20 minutes a day, you'll learn Mandarin. And honestly, he said, well, but also, you'll learn about family and life. And comes, comes to find out, he's like really just sold out to Buddhism, and he wants us to become Buddhists. And so he's giving us all, that this book is all about Buddhism and, and his CDs and DVDs are all about Buddhism. I think this guy is like serious about helping, wanting us to become Buddhists. He just like, he sold out that this is what we need. And in fact, he said, I used to drive a bus, but he said, I couldn't talk to people. So I quit that job and I became a taxi driver. So now I can help people, you know, learn Mandarin and learn about Buddhism. And so we're talking with him, you know, a little bit and said, oh, that's interesting. Just keep asking questions. I said, you know, so tell me about your family. And then he started to open up and say, I've got some real pain with my wife and my daughter. And, and then we said, well, let us pray for you because God understands that pain. God has so many sons and daughters who have rejected him. He understands that, that pain of that separation, broken relationship. And he's like, sure, you know, yeah, okay. And so then we're praying for this guy, you know, saying, he, he needs to go come to church, you know. <laughs> it's great. Because I know that Jesus is the only one that can heal those relationships. And more than that, where he can really discover the identity, the person that God created him to be. What makes me a good person? It's knowing Christ. 
I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. And so here's what Paul is saying. He says, here's how I want to know Jesus. The power of his resurrection. The suffering that he went through in his death so that I can experience resurrection. Knowing Christ. The power of, of Christ is something that only God can do in our lives. But we can create a place for the power of God to be manifest in our lives. That's why we love to pray for people. That's why, you know, Peter and Linda, they, they'll go anywhere, you know, in Taiwan. If you're not in prayer, they just love seeing the power of God bring healing and change and transformation. And that's why we have these prayer requests. We want to join with you in prayer because so often we've seen people, whether it's getting jobs or healing relationships or healing broken bodies, again and again and again, God answering prayers. Just moments where we just create a space for God to show His power. And then this suffering with Him, sharing in His death, that's on us. There's times when following Christ is going to be, it's going to be painful. There's times when it's going to require laying down our lives so that we can then experience the new life in Christ. So how do I grow in my faith in Jesus? We get to know, we create space in our, in our lives for us to experience His power. We, we walk alongside Him and with each other in our moments when we're called into suffering. We lay down our lives when we find that our desires and what we want conflicts with his desires and what he wants, then we always choose to say, okay, I lay down my life for yours. In the same way that Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross, showing us the way to life. Because how do we get life? The Bible says by laying down our lives. There's nothing so freeing as to really be free from the fear of death and to be willing to risk whatever it takes. Why? Because risk is important in any relationship. If you really want any kind of an intimate relationship with someone, it's going to require risk. You're going to have to show them some of the junk parts in your life. You're going to have to be willing to talk about the areas where you conflict with one another. You're going to have to say, you know, I actually I don't agree with that. And actually... You and I, what you did just there, it, it really did hurt me. And that's a certain level of vulnerability and risk that's required if you want to have an intimate relationship. And it's the same with Jesus. You got to risk with Jesus. It also takes spending time with Jesus. It's not just intention. You have to actually spend time and it takes communication. Just being in the same room won't lead to intimacy. It takes that talking together, spending time together, focusing on one another, risking with each other, sharing the good, the bad, all together. That's how we grow in our faith of Jesus, knowing Jesus. Paul goes on to say, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, 
But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So what prize am I living for? You know, a lot of us, we, we live life as if there is no prize. It's like, okay, you know, we're living life. I'm just trying my best. I don't know what the end is. I don't know what the prize is. I just try to do my best along the way and hope it turns out all right. Ever seen someone like run a race that way? Like, I don't know where the end is, but I'm just kind of running and, you know, I heard a gun and so I'm going. Uh, I don't know when it ends and I don't know where I'm running to, but I'm just, I'm just running and just kind of enjoying being in the race. We don't run races that way. Ever seen guys trying to play basketball? You know, no, no rims. You know, no, yeah, no, just kind of playing. We're just playing, you know. Not keeping score, not trying to score, just try, playing. You know, forget that. I hated practice. I want to play a game because I want to score and I want to beat the other guys. Right? This, this is inside of us. We're created. We're created to take a hold of a prize. And Paul is saying, in life, there's really only one prize worth living for. There's only one prize worth investing your one life. You only have one life to live. What are you going to invest it into? What prize are you going to have at the end of your life? And say, this is what I invested my life for. Because I know, you know, that like Terry, her mom recently passed. And, and she went back to New Zealand. And all the stuff that she'd accumulated after her mom passed, it's all still there. Didn't go, to, go with her. All left behind. The nice dresses she had, all the little trinkets she, and furniture that she accumulated, the bank accounts, whatever it might be. What prize are you investing your life into? And is it worth the investment of this one life that you have? L life is pretty amazing. That's why you fight so hard to extend it and hold on to it. There's so much that we can accomplish with this one life. But we want to make sure that what we accomplish counts. That what we invest into is going to last. And there's only one investment that's going to last through all of eternity. All the other investments end at death. But if you invest your life into Christ into knowing Him. Not only do you get the benefits of walking with your Creator here in this life and, and having that, that unfailing love that only Christ brings in this life and the healing and the power and the strength. A God who walks with us in our best times and our worst times. Because the truth is, we're all going to walk through worst times. Even if you're a Christian. Bummer. <laughs> but that's the truth. But the beauty of the Christian life is that God walks with us through those times and there's a beauty like paul talks about this fellowship of suffering of just sharing with 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 each other we, we had zell was staying with us from south africa this past month and and she had like a horrendous bicycle accident one day just torn up her hands her legs you know bleeding all over um and so she comes home afterwards and she, as soon as she walks in the door she's just like oh there's just this a leash of of, of emotions and so, you know, we just helped her and, 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 and cried with her a bit, you know, and con consoled her. Um, and there was, but there was a bonding that took place because of the pain that she walked through. And that's true in life. Whenever we walk through pain, those that walk with us through moments of suffering, that's a privilege. 
And there's a bonding that takes place. And this is what Christ calls us into. And this is what Paul is saying. You want to you learn to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. The eternal life that only he can offer. But you also want to know Jesus in the fellowship of his suffering. And you want to know what it is to, to love someone so completely that you give your life for them just like he did for us. There's such a freedom and such a bonding when we come into a place where you completely give your life to someone who's completely given their life to you. That's the beauty of marriage. But surpassing that, it's the beauty of salvation, of being a Christian. And it's what Christ invites us into. And Paul says, this is living forward. That's what it looks like, walking with Jesus and knowing him. Would you stand with me? Let's just bow our heads for a moment. Heavenly Father, today we are, are just so grateful for Jesus. And some here today, as, as we talk and as we look at Paul's words, um, our hearts are, are just warmed by that. And, and we feel that, that we just understand Paul's words. We just say, yeah, that's, that's what I've experienced. And that's what I want more of. God, I pray that, that you just give us more of you a deeper walk, a deeper abandonment to you. Those, Lord God, today who are listening to this and saying, I, I, sounds good, but I don't quite understand. God, I pray that, that there would be this place of, of trust and faith, a gift of faith that would be released in them where they would say, okay, it doesn't all make sense. I don't all understand it, but I'm willing to, to, to trust Christ, to, to put my faith in him and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust the promises that you say. And we're going to take that step of faith. For those, Lord God, who just doesn't, don't feel any drawing in their heart, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit will continue just to speak to them. And that they would come to that place where, where their hearts would, 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 would come in, into a, a softening and, a, and an openness to, to hear your voice speaking to them. God, in all of us, I pray that you remove the things in us that, that come between us and you the things that distract us, the things that block us, that, Father, we would find the freedom of being able to fully pursue you, fully give our lives to you. And so today, Lord God, we just say, come into us. Forgive us of our sins and heal us in the broken areas of our lives. Come and be the Lord of our lives. Come and be the, the number one value, the top priority in our lives, that we would know you to know you in the power of your resurrection, the fellowship of your sufferings. To lay down our lives for you in the same way that you laid down your life for us. Come, Lord Jesus, live inside my heart that I might know you and become one with you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.